This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 565. And the quote of the day is, ask yourself if what you're doing today is getting you closer to where you want to be tomorrow. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 565. And if this is the first episode you've listened to, it only took us 565 episodes to get to you, but the main part is we got to you. That's the best. That's the most important part. If you've been here for a while, I appreciate you as well. And if you dig the show, head over to iTunes. You can leave a rating or a review. It takes about 30 seconds, and I would appreciate it. It also lets other people know, hey, if you're a drummer, you should be listening to this podcast too. And... That's all I got. So I want to get into this conversation. This is with the great Shannon Forrest. And this this conversation is really special for me because we talk a lot about the things that that I've done throughout my life, particularly in the last like year or two of like of self-reflecting, self-evaluating, understanding not only where you are, but also if you are making the progress that you think you want to be making, not beating yourself up over, over the situations that you're in and understanding that, hey, you're actually on the right path or maybe you're on the wrong path and you need to fix it. So we talk a lot, of it, a lot about, about being real with yourself and being self-reflective and, and introspective and figuring out all of those things. And if you're wondering why Shannon is a good person to talk about these types of things, well, his resume speaks for itself. He is the drummer for Toto. He replaced Keith Carlock, but he's also been recording and touring for years. He grew up recording and engineering with his father. He's worked with Brooks and Dunn and Taylor Swift and Rascal Flatts and Carrie Underwood and Willie Nelson and Tiersha Yearwood and, and a lot more. I mean, if you go onto his Wikipedia page or his website, there's a seemingly never-ending list of the people that he's worked with. So again, a very great conversation from someone who is very well equipped and and in the right position to be offering up this information. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with the great Shannon Forrest. Shannon, how are you, my man? Hey, man, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I can't complain. I always I always love when I get a break in the day to uh, to be able to do one of these interviews. So thank you for being part of the show. Thanks for having me on. Of course, yeah. of course. You know the interesting thing I've been thinking back about all these all the interviews that I've done, and now I'm wondering oh, what do, I I gotta like go back and listen to them or make or have someone make some notes or write a book or something like that because I'm so involved in the interview that the that I'm I don't think I'm getting out of it as much as I should be, you know. No, I totally understand. You yeah, exactly. You need to get that other perspective from it as a listener. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever feel that way when say you're performing or you're recording on a record or something like that that you're so in the moment and then you go back and you actually have to go back and listen later and say, "Oh, wow, that you know, that did sound good or it didn't sound as good as I thought it was going to." That's a great question because uh because the nature of kind of how I've always approached it and the other things that I do, I'm always thinking, you know, in the recording process, I'm always thinking of the record, not not of just the drums. You know what I mean? And there, there's moments where, depending on what that is, you know, you have to be completely dialed into playing 
but at the same time it's always answering to what's this going to be like on the record and then the other side of it is when i'm producing and playing at the same time it's definitely more difficult because i'm trying to manage everything else going on from the other musicians whatever that happens to be plus reminding my you know and a lot of times i'm, I'm engineering the date perfect example is is uh what you know the way we've done tim mcgraw's last couple of records he's done them here at my studio and and i'm engineering with an assistant engineer and we're cutting to tape and I've got guys in the room. I'm session leader. You know, I've written the charts and, but you know, and although everybody's going back and forth with the producer and with the artist, you know, there's kind of the position of being session leader. So it can get really uh, complicated in dialing into this, the real specifics of my part. I mean, I'm still doing it the same way, but I've definitely noticed, you know, that you asked that question. That there's times where I go, okay, hang on a second. How much? How how hard am I focusing as a drummer right now? Versus, you know, what's the level to tape? What's the you know all these things? I mean, I I, I keep it together, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely there are times where I that I step back and go, okay, I just need to make sure I double check. I take I guess maybe for granted the drum side of it because I've done it so long. In those contexts, it can be fairly automatic, you know. Mm-hmm. How, what's your yeah. advice on dealing? Like, are you compartmentalizing that stuff? Because I didn't, I didn't realize that you're, you know, you're, you're writing the charts and you're the session leader and you're the engineer. I understand, you know, obviously I knew that you, that you were playing drums, but how are you compartmentalizing those things or are you sort of allowing one to seep into the other? Because for me, it's, I think that would be very, very hard to keep track of all that stuff. It's a funny thing, I guess. And it's kind of probably why I gravitated and moved into producing uh, as part of what I do uh, because I'm it's, it's like all of that is one process to me. It's why I got frustrated with engineers. For example, it was like, you're not capturing what I'm going after. Cause maybe they're not, maybe they haven't listened to all the same music or they don't understand. And they, you know what I mean? As I would be limited by all these things. So for me, I would get frustrated with other guys cause I'm going, man, and maybe it feeds back to something my dad told me when I was a kid, you know, because uh, he's a producer, engineer, and, and great piano player. But was that, you know, you need to know more than just your instrument. And, you know, and, and, and all that, you know, fed into the fact that, you know, I wanted to make records, you know, not just play the drums. I wanted to play the drums on record. So it's a, it's, it's a different way of thinking. And I'm always kind of applying this larger overview you know, to, to what I'm doing than just the drums, you know, and it feeds into choices I'm making about bills to, to whatever it happens to be, to sounds and all those things. So when I'm doing all that stuff, it was just an accumulation of, uh, uh, of a lot of years of frustration. And through the process, I guess I would add one more layer to what I was doing. So it never felt like it was separating from the drums. It was always feeding back into ultimately how I'm going to be getting the drums across, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? What's that going to be? But yeah, there are times where I notice that I, uh, you know, nothing slides by. The other thing is, you know, I like to, I, I'm not a big fan of how things have evolved in the, the current, you know, way of making records. I mean, I, I utilize every facet of technology here, but I still like my playing to be organic. I make a really strong effort to be very specific about where I'm, 
outputting time, how it's relating to the band. And then when you go in and just press Apple Q and quantize everything to, you know, it's just not what I'm trying to do. So, right. uh, you know, I, I do find that uh, there are times where I go back and, and, you know, just to make sure that it's translating or maybe I'll go, you know, especially when I'm cutting the tape and I'm engineering going well, and I might change that fill there, but now is it worth changing it? Cause now we're punching on tape and we're, you know, it's so I'm not sure, you know, I know I'm kind of noncommittal on the answer, but, uh, I, I suppose, um, in the end, just my way of thinking it's, it's all one process. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and, and, uh, hopefully nothing's sliding by. I had to make a concession a lot of years ago about the way other people like to work and, and I had to silence a bit of a certain analytical part of me because, you know, and, and I learned, too, that, that if to overindulge that extra, extra, extra level of perfection and the way one thing feels or another, sometimes it's, it's wasted energy. It's, it's not as important as, and, and you'll, you'll wear yourself out just fixating on that. But, but sure. you know, at any rate, uh, um, that's kind of the nature of that overview, you know. Right. So you had mentioned your father being an engineer and a producer, and mm -hmm. I want to I want to stick a pin in that because I want to go back and talk about that. Mm -hmm. But this the idea of you doing all these things in the studio. My guess is that these things don't happen overnight, and and I'm a firm believer in mastery begets mastery. So would your would your suggestion or your advice be to learn one thing and get really good at that before you go on to the next thing. You, like you don't want to show up and try to be a drummer and a producer and the engineer and the session leader and the guy who's writing the charts. If you've, if you don't have any experience doing this, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, and I believe me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm real hard on myself. I'm constantly second guessing, you know, well, how good are you at any of this really when you're, you know, when you spent so much time, but, it was a natural progression. You got to, you know, I got started really early. So I've had a lot of, of years to, to, uh, you know, even as a kid early on, I, I was given access in my dad's studio, you know, to, to, to try things. So part of the learning curve was gradually alongside playing, you know what I mean? I was getting a bit of exposure, but I don't think you know, also there's a part of me that gets really frustrated with guys that now everybody out there can play every fucking instrument, sort of, because they use a computer to, to you know, slap it all together. But I'm going, you know, how are you going to pull that off live? What, what do you really do? And then I'm going, well, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, exhibit A and guiltiness of, <laughs> of, of reaching beyond my chair, you know. Right. But, but ultimately, like I say, that always fed back to the only impetus uh, for for my frustrations and reaching into those other areas was just I felt like I I wasn't getting heard the right way as a drummer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it's tough. You know, it was definitely a balancing act working with other people and other engineers and and what their you know their their relationship would be with with the producer and the artist because they spend more time with you. And if they get feeling insecure, but you know they spend more time with the artist. And the engineer a lot of times than we do on the on the session date. So the potential for them to not dig the fact that I'm, you know, people are asking me for input about their side of the equation. You know, it's 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 a delicate thing, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people's securities. And so I think, you know, it's good to know as much as you can about the the overall recording process. It's going to feed into 
your sound, your tone, which again, look, we can drop all this and go, well, how relevant is it when, when everybody uses Steven Slate drums to replace everything he played? You know, that's a dual-edged sword because part of it is, is if you're showing up and you don't have your shit together, then yeah, they're going to replace your sounds, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can say like CLA, Crystal and Algae, you know, the times he's mixed me. I've never heard a track back where it wasn't my drums. Now, even if he did use a sample to help the way he likes to work, it would be of my drums. You know what I mean? But I'd never go, that's not my snare sound or that wasn't the sound of my drums, you know? Sure. So I think, you know, being mindful of all of it is important to the recording process if that's what you're really passionate about. But there's also the side of it, I think, that, you know, that people in generally may be more comfortable with musicians that are that they feel like are just solely focused, you know, on on that component of what they're doing. You know, it's just it's different, I guess. Every relationship is different. And, you know, you just you also don't want to step on toes. And like I say, for me, this was a, a long trajectory of getting all this stuff together and it really led me out the door of doing basic, you know, day-to-day session stuff, you know, right. so careful how, if you start to feed that thing, it just, just realize you might end up being a, a, an autonomous, you know, uh, self-contained entity. But, uh, you know, I would, I've always questioned, I thought, well, wouldn't everybody just want everybody to be, you know, as informed and, 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 uh, adept at all these parts of the process when we're all trying to make a record, but, you know, the human element of uh, insecurities and things like that you have to be aware of it's being diplomatic when you when you can wear too many hats you just gotta you know sometimes people like to think you're just the drummer when you're showing up sure. long answer yes <laughs> yeah I, well and the thing that that i believe differentiates you from everyone else who who like you said you know, they say they can play an instrument and, and they're actually just doing it on a computer or someone who says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a producer and they've actually never produced anything or they right. produced one record in their basement, you know, one time or something like that. The difference is that and not that you need to hear from me for validation, but I'd like to just put it out there for the audience. The difference is that you've been doing this for years and years and years and you've been you've been honing your craft in all of these areas. It's not just one day you just said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a producer, and, and you had no idea what the heck you were talking about. No, I appreciate that, and, and, and that is to the point. I think it's, you know, everybody's progression through that, 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 that part, uh, uh, you know, their, their pursuit of their own uh, self-expression through music, whatever that happens to be. If it's the recording process is involved, then you realize how that feeds into your creativity, and it just is a natural, mm-hmm. organic thing. I mean, I know... For instance, in kind of close proximity, you know, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of, of Simon Phillips, who also, you know, was in Toto uh, for, for many years before I came in and started playing with the guys. And Simon's a world-class engineer, producer, all those things as well. And and I heard a, 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 an interesting piece of an interview with him, and it was kind of started the same way for him very early. Like, it's it it takes as many years to get all that together as it does to play. You can't skip any of it. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and that's like you say, people, I think it's great because, you know, now the technology truly does afford, you can do anything anywhere, you know, within reason. Right. Right. There is, you know, for me on my side of the investment I've made, you know, like my studio, when, when I set out about building this place and I literally built it with my hands and, you know, with a friend of mine and, and, 
there was something I had in mind. I, I wanted to be able to make a, a, a drum sound like off of Houses of the Holy. You know what I mean? The, mm-hmm. that, that, that's like that room sound. I I wanted to do that. But um, and so in my place here, you know, I, I feel like uh, we're caught in this juxtaposed situation where the beauty of the technologies is it's enabled everyone to have a voice. But what ends up happening is that in, in that there's a maybe a diluting of of uh, a certain sound because the sometimes the lower common denominator becomes the recurring theme and it becomes you know what uh, what the sound of now is you know what I mean and mm-hmm. and, and for me not you know regarding my place or the, the investment I've made in doing that. If you if I were to step away from music just as a listener and what I truly miss, it's it, it's, it is that component of expansiveness and, and depth of uh, of the pursuit of the sonic process, all these things. You know what I mean? That's that's all about what, uh, again, feeds back into the fact that maybe where I'm coming from as a drummer was always about being a part of the record making process, not just playing the drums. I mean, if anything, probably that that was more the, the 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 heading that and the trajectory of what you know captured you know my attention about the drums and and, and in the 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 recordings or the, the you know the the my introduction to hearing things that 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 spoke to me you know it was, it was things that had to do with that process that nuance of feel and sound and all that you know mm-hmm. and how how much of your time has to has to be spent listening to current music to understand what the sonics were, you know, like obviously you know this, but if you look, if you listen to a record from the eighties versus the nineties versus 2000, you know, the snare sounds different. The the thing, things are mixed differently. The instrument or instruments are using different tones and all that. How much of your time has to go into learning sonically what is on the radio now, or what is, what is popular now or what the industry standards are? You know, just or do you question. ignore all that? <laughs> well, you know, maybe to a fault. I, I live in a bit of a cave. You know what I mean? Because only because if I turn that on, it, it takes all of about five seconds to get the full scope of what's going on. And it's going, you know, and every once in a while, something will catch your ear and go, "Oh, okay, okay, all right." Let's just say, for instance, uh, uh, you know what I appreciated about a Post Malone track, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got this track sunflower it's you know everybody's probably going oh fuck this guy he listens to the you know that shit whatever but you know as as that producer and engineering side of me i appreciate the fact it's this very streamlined uh simple production but what's really really effective about that track to to me is is the way they voiced the drums and it's simple it's programmed it's like but just what they created with the sound but the bass drum and the snare drum, the, you know, the, the backbeat component of that record, it because there's a, a point of interest to just that sound, then that, you know, that's kind of feeding the whole production value of that track. And if that sound wasn't as weighty, if you check out the track, you know, it, it, you know, everybody likes different things. And I'm not, you know, that's not even my thing. But, you know, like you say, when you're checking into the radio to see what's current, just so that you have some, you know, vocabulary available to talk back and forth to some young artist or whatever, that that may be the thing they're way into. You do look in every once in a while, but it's nothing new. The concept was still the same. It's like the the, the, the fundamental of, of uh, making a record 
a lot of times the, the, the foundation of the sound of the record is the kick and snare. It's that choice of what's the backbeat going to sound like in this track. How's it going to serve the tempo, uh, the other instrumentation, you know, all those sonics. So you can get into these things. And, and I've talked to other producers about this when they do, do call me, you know, we'll be going in to cut some track that maybe some guy did all of it at home, a programming guy. I like to call this stuff for your, for your audience here. I, I call it finger banging. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, th- that's, uh, yeah, that, cause that, and, and there's a lot in, in the context of that for me. Cause, uh, I think that's about as close to, to doing the thing you really want to be doing as you're going to get <laughs> without learning how to play. But anyway, you know, uh, I love it. I love it. You know, there's, there's, um, you know, the, we'll, we'll be chasing down these tracks sometimes that are super, super simple. Like there's nothing to it. And really, if you turn on most of the radio, the, the underpinning of these tracks, there is nothing to it. There's no nuance. And I'm not I'm not demeaning it. I'm just saying that's not that's not where the energy, the identity, what it's communicating. It's not predicated on that. It's like it's like the underpinning of something. And and the guys that are better at doing it still manage to get something unique in those sounds. But what we would chase sometimes is, you know, in Nashville, as, as these uh, the process moved from this organic way of putting seven guys in a room, you know, and just playing something down. You know, I remember talking to Dan Huff as this thing was transitioning, a producer here that does a lot of stuff. And I'm going, you know, I was one of the last times I worked with him in a live tracking situation because we were chasing certain things, spending a lot of time. I'm going, you know, we're starting to make different kinds of records here. And he knows all too well because he made all kinds of pop records. It's like you just don't throw guys in a pot and just see what comes out on a pop. It's it's more orchestrated and thought out than that. Mm-hmm. And you know, as it's non-conducive to the large tracking, you know, rhythm section thing. And what would happen is there was this uh, holdover of producers that were still, you know, in the loop of of working, uh, but the music was changing and their process, because where they came from maybe wasn't evolving as quickly as it was changing underneath them. And we would get into these situations where the artist or the A&R department had a certain attachment to a demo. And the energy, let's just say, just strictly on my chair, was because this guy at home was programming drums with this snare, with this giant reverb, and maybe it's layered three different times, and there's a half uh, hand clap that's all filtered out underneath it. And the backbeat, the sound of the record is already present in this formative demo, and it's carrying so much energy, so much weight, that then the engineer on the date is not doing anything to to recreate that context. So really, you know, I can't, I'm just playing acoustic drums at this point and I'm playing something real simple, close to whatever the part was because we're trying to recreate this thing and it's not working, you know what right. I mean? Because the sonics of it are not uh, matching up to, to, to what the representation of the song was. So I, uh, you know, I don't do that many for hire just run-of-the-mill sessions anymore for a lot of reasons uh but i started taking i mean several years back when when i started running into this uh i i dug out my old d drum three which would actually let you drop samples into it you know Mm -hmm. and i would take in instances where we run into something like that uh i would make a sample 
out of something from say machine or one of these native instruments, whatever. And I would get that happening and I would actually just trigger it off my, my drums because, and then all of a sudden this bell would go off and it was like, Oh, now we're making the record. So it's definitely changed, you know, a lot. And I think maybe back to your original question or one of them, you know, it is, I think it is fairly important that you stay engaged with some of that recording process, because a lot of, you know, sometimes the engineers are not going to be as adept at, at making that happen on the date, you know, I mean, and it, and it varies, you know, there's so few and probably fewer and fewer tracking, full tracking sessions that are going to be going down in, in, in big studios. But even if it's getting sent to you to do remote recording, you know, understanding what is making something work you know mm-hmm. uh to to the artist and to the producer you know it's it's really kind of as a player it, it continues to make things less and less engaging to sit down and just play the drums right because okay eighth notes on the hi-hat half notes on the bass drum uh, you know uh, two and four and that's gonna be what you're doing all day with zero nuance because this style of the day has become so if there's too much interplay and too much things back and forth, it starts to leave the context of the room a little bit. It starts to become too musoey, if you will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's this, this tight window where you go, okay, well, how am I going to get my, my personality across or something that's going to be unique and make me feel like I'm doing something. And then, then it does come down to sound you know what i mean and, right. and i've talked to guys about this and this has always been the case on certain kinds of records of record making it's like man you know the sound length of note and all these things it, it's it's half the part you know what i mean like yeah. if you can you get a great sound and you get the envelope of that bass drum and snare drum decaying shutting down at a certain point then there's rests on the back side of those notes leading into whatever else is hitting you know, uh, uh, on the next quarter note or whatever, there's definitely room in there, and and it's a skill set. It's it's something that's beyond just happenstance things. You know, it's 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 why the drummers that I really love, to say from Jim Keltner to you know, let's say Jeff Picaro or what, you know, all all the people that I really like, whether it was an eight thing or whether it was something that that was you know really specifically being gone after. Uh, they just have this instinctive way of making their choice of sound create that sort of inner play between the quarter notes. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. there's there's a, there's a cutoff. There's a spot where the snare, the length of that note stops, and 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 that air beyond that in the next quarter note creates a feeling. You know what I mean? Let alone like now, you know, we take away the nuance of time and laying things back one way or the other. Even when they quantize shit down to the grid, there's still that bit of uh, tension and release in that air between the notes. You know what I mean? And and so when guys are maybe home trying to figure some of these things out, that's a key thing. And that, and and maybe as the parameters tighten down and gives less room for individuality, looking in there, you know, uh, um, is kind of some of the 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 last remaining space of individuality. You know. Mm-hmm. Man, I have so many questions about about what you just said. Yeah. Uh, one, one going back to what you were saying about not doing run of the mill sessions anymore. My thought would be, sure, you're going to go in. You're walking into a session where it's almost like you can't win, right? If 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 you have something that's already been pre programmed and they want it to sound like that, and then it makes it look like you're unable to do the job when in yep. reality 
you're saying, look, this this isn't something that's that's possible to be done. That was generated on a computer, and right. I'm a human being, and it makes and it's it puts you in a position where it seems like you're underperforming when when yeah. that's not the real case. But to a to a to an inexperienced engineer or producer or A and R person or whatever the case or an artist or whatever the case may be, makes it seem like you're the one who who can't do your job, right? And that reflects poorly yeah. on you. That's exactly right. And and there was a bit of that, you know, assessment of things that I saw coming, uh, diminishing returns, you know. I mean, I told guys for years and guys around here can relate to this. I, I would before all this changed so dramatically, you know, just uh, stylistically and technologically, I would show up to the session and I would. I would assess the potential of the day by the cars in the parking lot. You know what I mean? Like I would show up <laughs> and I go, I know who, I know which bass player drives that car. Right. And I would, oh, I thought you were I saying would, if there was nice cars and they were people who knew what they were doing and if they uh, were, that, that t- they didn't. Typically, typically it's more the opposite. It's like an inverse proportion, you know, ratio there, you know, the nicer, the, the bling, you know, typically there's probably going to be less depth, you know, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it really was because again, it's not downing anybody. This is a producer's fault, right? And so many people around Nashville, they just you know they hired the names they saw on other records. Not you're not knowing any more than that, and and that's okay too. But like I say, when I I would, if I showed up, it's I just know okay, I know this guy's playing, and I know I know the scope of what he's into, and especially when I knew you know, as things were turning toward a genre that maybe these guys just didn't have a point of context to, I would realize, man, this is going to be a bumpy date because there's going to be frustration. The producer's not going to know why we're not getting to where it could get. And if I say, if I expose the reason why, then I'm no longer, you know, everybody's pal, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it was a balancing act. And I just, again, I just felt like there was, wasn't a feeling. I just, there was an obvious point where it was beyond help from my chair. You know what I mean? And, and once it became that, I was just driving a nail for people. And, and that was never the impetus for me. You know what I mean? It's like, you just want time entered into a computer that you can fly around and quantize. I just, you know, you know, I, I'm on maybe not so fortunate as to be able to keep getting by the way that I do. And then at, at that point, you have to kind of check your ideals and make compromises. But I'm not there. I'm there, but I'm not willing to go there yet musically. Right. I'm not your guy. I just had to split. You know what I mean? And and uh, and honestly, it's just really people don't realize. But uh, that's been almost 10 years for me since I started really disconnecting from that that way of doing things really yeah i stopped doing it when i was mine to be had and it was a lot of it you know what i mean and and it was it was definitely a a take a big financial hit to just try to maintain the desire to sit down and play the drums again you know Mm -hmm. i mean you have to you have to preserve your artistic integrity right yeah i tell guys that that call me up after they've been in it a while and 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 reaching some of the same conclusions, I'm going, you know, it's no different sometimes than, than, than some aspiring actor or actress, you know, the cliche waiting tables to be able, you know, to feed themselves while they try to act. You know, when you get into music and you're able to uh, find 
uh, way of sustaining yourself with music that necessarily isn't the end goal for you of where you're wanting to be. It's it's a it's a delicate balance because depending on the person, some people are 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 wired up differently and can and can sit there and just drive a nail, you know, fully contentedly, you know. Uh, but if, if you're really wanting to say something. It's and be heard. That's the way I like to look at it. It's like, look, I, I just, I'm still trying to be heard. You know, I'm at at, at my age now. I still feel like I just got to do this one thing because nobody's really heard me yet. You know, it's that, it's that feeling. But there's a reservoir, right, of energy. That's all we, you know, to get all metaphysical and new agey. But the, you know, we're like we 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 operate out of that that spiritual and emotional energy and. You know the, the sense of defeat. You know, uh, it, you got to be careful how much you sell of that reservoir for things other than what you really want to be doing. It can it can finance a part of what you're trying to to do, but it can leave you empty uh, for the for the time when you finally get around to what it is you're trying to do. And that's just you know that's just the nature of what it is. Whether it's a live gig, sessions. You know what I mean? It's like if you find yourself worn out. I said I tell guys it's like there's no, there was nothing worse than the, the only thing worse than not playing, sitting in that chair all day, playing and not playing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that that yep. it, it becomes a diminishing returns situation, and uh, and so um, you know here I find myself locked away in my own studio with uh, <laughs> not very much to do. You got to be careful what you wish for. Sure. Know? Well, I think there's a lesson to be learned there too that it. At the end of the day, it comes down to happiness, right? And I've always said for myself that I wasn't willing to to be in a position where I had to take every gig that came across the table because I needed the money. So yeah. I was like, I'd I'd much rather work a day gig and and you know play the gigs that I want to play if if that if it come if it came down to that or whatever the case may be because on a you know on a Friday or Saturday night I don't want to go play for a hundred bucks at a bar till three o'clock in the morning I'd rather hang out with my wife so yeah and and maybe you can speak to this a little bit but I struggled with that for a little bit because I was sort of thinking that the that the drum gods were going to strike me down and you know what were other people going to think that I'm not willing to do those gigs and it I mean I did them I did them for you know almost fifteen years or twenty years or something like that and I yeah. just choose not to do them anymore. No, man, it, it's it's a it's definitely. I mean, I think it, you have to answer to your own, you know, spiritual compass about music and 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 the muse and what you expect from it. And definitely, when I started not taking certain gigs, there were a lot of people that had a bit of resentment to me about it. And I'm going, dude, there's nothing here about me being holier than thou or better. I'm losing money here. Are you willing to do that? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there was just this juxtaposition here where guys were, and I think sometimes it was, a, it was, a, it was putting them, you know, in conflict with themselves because they knew on some level they felt the same way I did, but they didn't want to think about it. You know what I mean? Right. And, right. uh, and it's just different for everybody. And, and, you know, I mean, you can get real, real precious about it, but I, I think, it's the difference between like, you know, when you, you, when you look at like true jazz musicians, which I really, uh, marvel at, and I'm the, the world's worst jazz drummer. I, you know, it's like when I get thrown in that context, I'm going, 
I hope nobody is in the room that really knows what the fuck's up because they'll they'll know what a fake I am, you know. But it's like that. That's a commitment to something, and for mm-hmm. anybody that's kind of processing out everything we're talking about, I mean, first and foremost, you know, your your ideology, your pursuit of your individuality. It's about a lack of compromise, and 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 for me, I had kids when I was like twenty one, mm-hmm. right. And I, I was supporting a family then, and, and, and that's been the most rewarding part of my life, you know. But what it does is you can't be a 100% idealist when you've got other people depending on you to, to you know, provide. And, and, and I think there's a line in there where you can, you know, but, uh, uh, but still, it's difficult. You can't give everything to music and be everything completely beholden to that. Uh, and and try to be employed you know what mm-hmm. i mean and that and that's the that's more the jazz musicians kind of perspective it's what i love about the personality the whole thing or anybody that's that much of a, a, a you know a trailblazer of their own you know pursuit of their own thing but it's a it's a it's a life commitment and it's not conducive to uh it may be in the end it might provide if you if you're one of those rare individuals that has such something unique enough to say that then it becomes lucrative but but the reality of it it's never about that you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's, it's about the pursuit of the thing and and yeah i mean we're we're so lucky to 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 have the 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 ability to sell our pursuit of our own artistic voice in the moment that it's being realized because i think that's kind of part of what's wrong with the equation and why we experience so little music that has that human value to it because it became so commercialized there was there was money there was front money when you know uh, that the enticement there changes the whole directive and and you're not going to get a whole lot of of the real human spirit when when it gets diluted with the ability to uh not only you know uh, see its own reward, but also start to be become predicated on what's this going to get me? You know mm-hmm. what I mean. Other than I have got to say this, I've got to say this this way, and I have to be heard this way, and I don't give a shit what anybody else think. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's yep. it's a strange thing. And I I said this to my friends, you know, musicians, friends, going look, you know, I felt like for a long time before before we suffered the hit of all the. Uh, streaming and all the things that sort of undermined the, the old revenue that was there i'm going you know all the revenue that we're that i was a part of and and, and the good money that was there was i, I was making records had been generated by records that were made 10 15 20 years before like there was a definite you know lack of of impactful music that was continuing to create those uh, revenue streams that we were involved with you know mm-hmm. we were we were making the good money that somebody else behind us had kind of propped up and created this whole economic model for and weren't really putting much good back into it. You know what I mean? Like we were, you're I saying the, like, the value of the records was going down. Yeah. I mean, listen yeah. to them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I, I agree. I was, I was just clarifying that. I thought I that's what you're saying. That, yeah, that is. And, and I don't, and I'm not to be that, that guy. I mean, like I say, honestly, at this point I would, it, it you know, Probably what I miss in the context, you know, maybe of what we're all dealing with too now, with with social distancing and uncertainty and all the way it's impacting the music community. And you go, what am I missing? And it's like, well, I'm I'm missing playing live with with you know my brothers in Toto. You know that that's a big one. You know, mm-hmm. 
but man, for the longest time, I miss hearing music, new music that I haven't heard before, make me feel the way it used to make me feel. And that's not by immersion. That's not by exposure. The the human raw human spirit on display still you know draws out the same emotional response the same feeling it's just fucking not there man it's like yeah. it's iron it's iron flat with a computer and a bunch of and a bunch of people that are complicit in working that way because they're not very good at anything so they're all too happy to use that process to marginalize everything else you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah i'm i and i you know i'm not embittered it's like I'm in the room with those people. I fucking know right, what they're right. About. You know what's going on. You know what I mean? This is not. This is not hypothetical. Right. There's definitely a, a, either an oblivious lacking in nature of what else there is available, or some unspoken resentment against what was there before uh, that they can't figure out how to be, and therefore we're going to discredit the whole thing. With this quantize button or auto tune button, because now we don't have to deal with outliers anymore. You know. So, what do you? I, this to me is a, a chicken or an egg question, and I'd love to hear your your opinion on it. What? Why did music turn into this? Was it that's? Be, is it because that's what the consumer gravitated towards, or was or has the consumer just been conditioned to enjoy that style of music? Well, well, two things, right? And 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 I don't want to come across as as uh, you know s- somebody that's uh, because I'm not, I'm not, man, I'm just, number one music because I'm careful. You know, when you say why did, you know, music still functions the same way, it's independent of commerce and all this stuff. So the same the way that it hits the human spirit is untarnished. It's it's all the same. When it, you know, you follow money. When money starts getting involved to the to the depth that it that it does, when they start to be able to monetize in such a massive way, um, I just think it was, you know, it was an economic model of something that exploded in 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 a semi natural way. I mean, it was always being dictated by some executive level of group of people but they, they you know i think early on they at least had a, a semblance of a of a, uh, of a, a passion for music even when they were maybe inept at really understanding what it was they still had there was a certain intent maybe that was there and uh you know i think technologically uh things change a lot and and it makes it easier to do things a certain way but i think the listener uh for the most part you know they're they're they get what they're given you know i mean the participating in the radio or whatever your means of getting music now it's, it's so dictated too i mean i see it on on both sides it's like okay we're gonna get, try to get this new artist but we got before we even make their record we got to get these analytics looking right we got to get on facebook you know or we got to get on spotify and we got to get the streams up and to do that we got to engage this this podcast person or this uh, uh, you know uh, this other entity that does reviews. And if we we use this bot, to, we're going to put five hundred dollars in this thing because I know this this one guy that will get it on all these playlists if we for five hundred bucks. And now the numbers are going to look as it's so fucking rankly, disgustingly wrong, man. It, it's 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 you know. Uh, and and it makes it way too easy for people that you know it becomes a process 
it just becomes a sequence of events that you just check off. And, and uh, in the end, what, what does come, come back through the things that kind of make their way through and, 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 and reach a larger audience, there's some component of that person's unique individuality uh, and the music may be secondary, but, but the way they're expressing themselves is what kind of separates it from, from everyone else vying for the same little you know piece of real estate to 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 reach an audience you know so you know i guess you know it's like weird it's it's like i I don't want to be hitting a certain age where i start to sound like someone who talks about what it used to be but i've always been in kind of this weird nether realm because i was the younger guy i was 20 years younger in the room than most people so i belong more to a previous generation than i do even my own you know what i Mm -hmm. mean and so having overlapped those two things, I can go, no, I can objectively say that it's not me trying to hold on to my music. I already thought your music was better than mine. You know what I mean? So right. when, I, when I follow this stair-stepping, it's not some guy who's – number one, music is one thing and entertainment and, and, and expression is another. And so – you know, music is kind of right now, and a lot of times is a backdrop to some person, somebody's personality and identity, and that's first and foremost in all of it. You know, if we if we as musicians find like we're 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 missing something contextual in the experience of music, it's like, well, you know, the things that tend to have mass appeal are still expressing something, and and that was the that was the catalyst that that got you know, got us exposed to all these other um, forms of music. If you, you know, like for instance, you know, little Richard, okay. Uh, who we just lost who's just such, you know, is that the, 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 you know, the, the, um, he's in the roots of, of everything, you know, the original rock and roll, man. It's like people, Maybe not hip to Little Richard. Go back and check out Lucille, the original recording, Little, Little Richard. And then, again, I'm dating myself again, but, you know, check out Steven Tyler. And you go, oh, man, Steven Tyler's just channeling Little Richard. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. but the point being, in both of those guys, is, is like Little Richard, he loved music, man. But But the reason you got heard was because he had to be heard as an individual. You know what I mean? And... That's still kind of driving what gets heard at this point, you know. I mean, the, the you know what what kind of breaks through at times, and and the music. I think right now, from talking to you know, even having conversations with people inside the industry, management types, and 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 you know, they they're just about identity, and there and and there's a bit of truth that so much of the music is just it's already been done, already been played, and already been heard. You can only shake it up so many times, so. What makes it sound new again is, is, is the context and and someone with an identity, you know what I mean, that, that's that's leading the charge. And, and whether, you know, you can take that concept from the artist, as we're talking about records we want to listen to, down to the musicians involved in the process. And right now, there's not a lot of musicians uh, involved in the process, you know, the technology and the carryover from dance and all these other forms of music has kind of changed the nature of, of what the you know, the blueprint is right now, stylistically. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a long answer. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think people generally, the delivery system for music doesn't leave the consumer uh, 
making a whole lot of uh, choice in the matter. I think they they make the choice to reject things, uh, but they're but but it's like they're they're all they're doing is rejecting a, a cross section of of what they're given to listen to, not choosing to. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. No, that makes sense. So, so I a lot you know earlier in the conversation you had said about growing up in the studio with your dad who was an engineer who was a producer a piano player yeah how much of that I mean I got to imagine that that really impacted not only not only your skill set but also how you approached recording how you I mean you learned the real way to do things at a really really young age right yeah I mean I was so fortunate I mean even though. My dad worked in a, in a gospel music, like traditional gospel music. And, and, and what people will find is you try to make your pathway through in music. It's like, you know, to step out of one thing into another can be it can be big gaps between communities. So as much as I had this great foundation, it, 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 the, the plus and the minus of it was, you know, uh, sometimes there was a stigma toward that. You know what I mean? That that particular community that I was trying to step out of uh, into music that, that, that I wanted to get to. It's like, well, I was just playing this because that was proximity of what it was available to me. It doesn't make me that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was, but I mean, my, within that, you know, pe- again, people's, you know, preconceptions and biases, I can tell you having worked with all the folks I've worked with, my dad, truly, as a musician and as an arranger, he's a world-class string arranger and He's as good a natural musician as anyone I've ever worked with in any genre. You know what I mean? Like he's on that level. Hmm. So I was very, 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 very fortunate to grow up under his wing. And he basically, he gave me such an amazing opportunity because he just let me, he let me dive into everything so early sometimes i scratch my head and go man what were you thinking you know what i mean like he he was imagine this he i would hang out with him in the studio all the time he took me to the studio with him from the time i was like six months old and i re, i remember being he would when the guys would mix you mix down and you would mix down to he had a quarter inch tape machine right and i'm watching my dad when he's getting final mixes down and he's leadering the tape which is putting you're putting the blank spaces in between songs and putting the songs in sequence on a, on a reel of tape that you're going to send off to a record pressing plant. So that's the process of, of what's going on. And I'm watching him do this. And, you know, like every little kid, man, you just want to do what your dad's doing. Yep. He would let, he, he'd let me, he would make a second tape for me on this mono machine he had and give he a razor blade, man. And I would edit my own tape. At five years old, you know what I what? mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm thinking, if you, it's funny, man. You come in my studio, and and, and you'd see me do this in Ocean Way or anywhere I would work. If I saw a razor blade on the desk, I would tape it down, you know, with with masking tape or whatever, because I didn't want anybody getting cut. And I'm, and I'm like, I never cut myself, but there's no way in hell I would give a five year old a razor blade, you know. <laughs> uh, but you know. He, there was just something I guess he picked up on me or, or, or he, by enabling me that way, uh, you know, I was very lucky but by him and the musicians he worked with. I was never treated like a child, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could, I could play somewhat at a really early age. So maybe they saw something 
they thought might be natural with me and, 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 you know, they liked having me around and so they, you know, but it was, I was very fortunate in, in my exposure to music and, and, and again, I, you know, by just, just having the opportunity I had, I, uh, you know, I look at other people that make their way in the business that, that come at it from, from the outside. And I go, man, that they're made of something totally different. Cause I don't know how anybody does it. Cause I had both feet in the door and it was still hard. You know what I right. mean? Right. Right. So, did you, did you, were you always thinking that this was what you wanted to do? I mean, maybe not at five, you weren't, you weren't thinking career, but, uh, as you got older, was there, was there any doubt in your mind that this is what you wanted to do? Yeah, no, there was, it, it was always this, you know, it was, um, from the, you know, earliest time I could remember it, it, it was just, I just wanted to play music. You know, it's like, I have that conversation with people over the years that are, they think about moving to Nashville, if it was that at the time or whatever, and they got a family and it's like, you know, they hear the conversation, you know, people say, well, it just wasn't doing anything else. Wasn't an option. And it's like people snap their fingers and go, that's exactly how I feel. And it's like, it's not, that's an oversimplification. It was like, outside of your your way of feeling about it it wasn't like i you know as a kid you're measuring your options against other things and going no this is all i'm gonna do it was like there was just a preoccupation with with music it what i i never even thought about it as a, a i'm still to this day i'm i i can't i can't find motivation financially you know mm-hmm. and i need you know what i'm saying it's been a precarious thing i've put a lot of energy and money into things that that have to pay off but uh but i've never ever made a choice about that so it's like you know i was only ever going to play that that was just that was the fixation it, it, it was not about the context or is it going to be i it never got that far it never went beyond the scope of i'm just going to play I'm just going to play. And I would have played if I was having to provide for myself another way. It wouldn't change it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so when I hear people want to kind of latch on to that, if it was that simple, everybody could make that choice and be successful. It's not, that's not, that's an oversimplification of what it is. It's almost a misguided, you mm-hmm. know, uh, pursuit of, uh, of something. And, and, and I, I think like anything else, if you're a, if you work a, a master craftsman that works with wood or something, it's like, there's no external compulsion that'll make somebody be able to do something of beauty that to a certain degree that, that an amount of money can make you stay beholden to the pursuit of something to that degree. And, and that's more what it's about than going, well, nothing else was ever an option. It was like, no, I just, all I ever wanted to do was this. There was no context. There was no, if, as long as, you know what I mean? It was just, it was only ever that I'm looking at it now. We're all looking at this uncertainty and I'm going, well, man, fuck, you know, things can get, um, you know, complex. Your life has more dynamics to it, more responsibilities. And man, if you take everything away, I guess I still just, I want to sit down and play drums with a bunch of musicians. You know what I mean? Right. You know, that would be what I want to do, save being with my family and just hanging out. That'd be what I'd want to do most, you know.
One line in the dream symbol family that I think is really cool is the dark matter family. They have the flat earth, the moon ride, and the dark matter energy. And although they're all made a little bit differently, they all involve the dark matter process. And this is really cool. Check this out. They take a symbol that is already finished and then put it back in the oven, hand hammer it, and then shock it with cold water, and then put it back in the oven. And what happens is the ash and the soot from the oven are fused to the top layer of the metal, which give it this really, really unique sound. And you know what? I want to let you hear exactly what this process does to a symbol. Check them out. To learn more about Dream Symbols, their Dark Matter line, and all their great products, be sure to check out DreamSymbols.com. If you're looking for a top-of-the-line snare, then look no farther than the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series. These are designed to combine sound concepts to create unique and personal instruments for the demanding player. They come in three unique variations, and they all have their own unique sound quality to them. You have the Heartbreaker, which is dark and rustic and throaty. You have the Cherry Bomb, which is vintage, controlled, and precise. And then you have the Equinox, which will give you that classic, bright, articulate sound. To learn more about the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series, go to mapexdrums.com. How do you advise people or have you had conversations with people about, you know, they're not able to, they're not able to make a money to make a living out of it, or they're not, they're not making enough money. They have families and they have houses and kids or whatever the case may be. Um, because I hear it a lot with, I, you know, with emails and and messages and things like that about they, people want to do this as a career um but just financially can't can't make the jump or they can't make it work or whatever the case may be do you have any advice for them well yeah i mean it's it's a really hard thing for people to really self assess and, and and be brutally honest and 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 i think that's that's a component of what makes musicians, you know, like really special musicians continually, you know, reaching in it for a certain thing is it's that, that, that there's enough humility there to hear what, what is not where they want it to be. And enough other misfiring of some strange, be it, you know, fixation component of the brain that makes them relentlessly not give up. And, and you see it, in all walks of life through things, you know, they're, they're doing this big Michael Jordan thing. And I love basketball. You see competitors, you know, it's like, man, not everybody is wired up to be that relentless uh, after something, you know, they're just mm-hmm. not, you know what I mean? And, and it's twofold. I think the mistake is it's like, it's like you say the chicken and the egg things like what comes first. It's, it's, there's a personality component to be, it's a social thing. You know what I mean? Uh, we all have to interact. You, you know, when it, when it's not working for you. I mean, I know guys. I've I've sat and I've I've had these conversations with guys. I'm going, yeah. Except you just don't fucking get it. You know what I mean? It's like I sit and got with guys that that are better drummers than I than, than I am that don't have a gig or whatever it is, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yes, I can't play that. Uh, but now there's, there's also a context, like that's not what it's about. 
you know, show me the gig where, where what you can do that I can't do is the impetus of the gig. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it, it all gets mixed up and the, the vibe is bad. And, 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 and it's a, that's a, that's a natural progression. It was why I think playing sessions, like for me, I went past the mark. 10 years is realistically overexposure. 20 is like, come on, give us all a break, you know? Right. But it, it, it it's, it, you know, that's the way I felt about it after a while. when I stopped playing, it was like sessions and go, well, every time I sit down to play, I'm trying to, I'm thinking now. It's like, well, why am I thinking all the time when I play? It's like, well, cause you've played this 8,000 times and you know, you're playing the same thing again and it doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? And for you to be doing that with, with music, like you need to get away from it. And, and then it's like, well, what's the component of guilt on the people hiring me when they've already heard me do this, this many, t- you know what I mean? But, very, but, but that thing about, you know, uh, you know, my point there is, is, you know, when my vibe and energy started changing, I knew that uh, new gigs, you know, of the same kind of musical, maybe uh, uh, context were not going to come around because there was a time where I was totally enthusiastic about playing on a shitty session. You know what I mean? Right. Because I just, I just wanted to be there. I hadn't figured out yet that once I got there, it was going to suck. You know what I mean? There was still this this hope that you know that it was always going to be something and then you know every once in a while it would be and that was enough to keep you coming back but after a while that energy changes and 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 the expectation that i just could some people that you know they can keep a smile on their face longer than i could you know what i mean and i i just knew that that time was up for me in a certain context you know Mm -hmm. but i think people you know that are pursuing and trying to do the thing oftentimes they miss the fact that it's personality and, you know, what's really great in, 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 in any musician or artist that you're hearing, it's, you know, we like the instrument or what we play that, that's in common with them. But what, what you're really, really dialing into is the spirit of that person playing that instrument. You know what I mean? It's not just the notes, because why then when somebody can transcribe something and play the exact notes, well, they don't make me feel the same way. You know what I mean? It's, 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 they work together. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a uniqueness of personality and perspective, which then comes through your instrument. But it's a social component first, I think, and, and at least 50%, probably greater uh, is, is on that feeling, uh, you know, uh, that you give people of confidence or comfort or ease or enthusiasm. And, and then when that's genuine, you know, there's going to be something in the playing that comes out that feels and sounds like that as well. And, and I think a lot of people think it's just this, it's just this thing you sit down and you woodshed on and then that that's going to be enough. And it's like, man, you know, I wish, you know, I'd be doing better if my personality was not quite as cynical as it is. You know what I mean? But the older I get, that's just the you know experience just kind of keeps leaning you into that way of seeing things. And I'm and I'm not cynical about playing. I'm cynical about my own. You know what right. I mean? But it's but it's but it's just natural. It's it's again. It's the, my my cynicism is because I my ear can still hear every little nuance of what it is i'm not as good as i want to be at you know what i mean and and that becomes a a long term it's a it can be emotionally you know painful to wake up every day having done something i've been doing playing drums for 43 years almost 44 
and feel like you're not good enough. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. that's and that dynamic, it, it, you know, it's just a strange thing. And and I guess there's so many people that can play, and that's the beauty of social media now. Maybe it's given a voice to everyone. It's given a video stream to everyone. But the thing we're talking about is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just that that combination of unique things that makes some person. And I'm not one of those. I'm, I'm I've got a, a, a list of. Uh, of people that I look up to that are uniquely different in and 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 their makeup and personality and and how that came through their instrument, you know what I mean? But right. but I can have by some proximity and understanding of it realized that you know it's just really difficult to pick up something and and do something that can be identifiably you when so many people can pick that same thing up and approximate it to a certain point. It's just. It's hard, and that's where I come back to, like they say, that 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 self-assessment and that humility when people are pursuing it, and and also expectations. Like, hey, look, maybe you're already doing it. That's the thing I've told people before. I'm going, okay, well, explain to me what it is you want to be doing. Okay, all right. Well, within the context of what you have available, and now especially that everybody can record themselves at home very mm-hmm. confidently on, on a on a budget that anybody within the course of a year. If they if they're committed to living a certain way, can save up the resources to be able to to make that thing happen, to take the leap from going well, I just want to be recording myself and hearing it me back or making some music. It's like well, that's within your grasp. If you want to be you know heard in a context of a cer- select group of peers and a select you know group of artists and whatever. There's a whole lot of nuance between here and there, and, and and maybe you shouldn't beat yourself up. Maybe you're already doing the thing that you're capable of doing. You're just, you know, hurting yourself by wanting it to look different than it is, or maybe just not look. I I know what I am and I'm not, and um, you know, I I do the same thing. You have to check yourself and go when you know. In reality, for with what I feel like I had to offer. I've I've got a lot more to show for it than I probably deserve to begin with, you know. Right. The the uh the self-assessment I think is is really important and it's hard, you know, it's hard to be to be brutally honest with yourself and it's hard to uh it's hard to look at what you're doing and saying, "Okay, is this really working? Is it not really working?" Uh and but and the other side of it too is that perspective of you know I've had conversations with friends of mine outside of the the industry, and I'll say you know I'd like to uh, you know obviously everyone wants to be more successful than they are and and one of my friends who's really good at breaking this down is like well what are you what do you want to be doing and I'll explain it all to him and he's like so how are you not doing that right now yeah he's right. like you're working with all these people you're you you know you have this podcast you do this you do that and I'm like. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess you're right. <laughs> it's it, man. I tell you, man, I was 17 years old. Do you remember who Larry London is? Uh, yeah. Larry, Larry, Larry uh, was like in Nashville The as a drummer. He was so far above the, the, the scope of, of what, you know, from a genre standpoint was associated with coming out of Nashville. Larry had started in Detroit and, even played on. I'm pretty sure he played on the Science Seal Delivered or one, one. You know, he did some Motown records, a couple big Stevie Wonder uh, tracks. It was Larry. He came to Nashville, did all kinds of sessions, but was always way overqualified for the context of what he was doing. He was like really, really. He ended up touring with Journey. 
you know, like uh, level 42, I want to say, you know, I mean, he did so many things. And then I got introduced to him. And I'll tell you, I was a little 16 year old prick kid that that thought, who's this fucking country bumpkin? You know, I didn't know enough. I knew, you know, I was like, all right, I'll go watch this guy play a session. But but I I was a fan of Steve Gadd and Jeff Picaro and all these other guys that were, you know, my my limited, uh, you know, uh, exposure to Larry was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew he was a motherfucker, but I. I got I got to sit across the room from him on a demo session, and uh, and this is after Larry had done all the things he's done. You know what I mean? Like he played on I think not too far removed from playing on the Steve Perry Street Talk album, which was a big big pop rock record in the late '80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I got to the session hoping to watch him get get ready, set up, get drum sounds. Right? I got there at eight thirty for a ten o'clock session. And uh, I'm, I asked the engineer, I said, hey, is, uh, what time do you think Larry's going to get here? He goes, oh, no, he's, we already got drum sounds. He's in, the, he's in the break room having coffee, you know. So that's what a pro Larry was, for one thing. Then I sat across the room from him and watched him play a session and just left like, oh, my God. I've never experienced such brute force command. And beyond the drums, man, that's the other thing about it. What makes these people special? He commanded the room, you know what I mean? And in doing so, he made everyone else uh, more confident and made everyone else better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and then take the context of that, you know, versus what you were saying about working. So fast forward a couple of years and now I'm out of high school and and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get hired, you know, right. Uh, going from working for my dad to trying to get someone else to give me a shot. And I called Larry and it took him about, you know, maybe a couple of weeks to call me back, but here's this guy who's working with journey calling, you know, an 18 year old kid back, returning a phone call, you know? Right. And, uh, I called him up and he goes, well, Hey man, you know, uh, how are you? I think he vaguely remembered the fact that I'd come to that session. And because I was always like this too, for, for other people out there, what it's worth, you know, if I got the opportunity to meet a world-class musician, I didn't say shit about myself. I didn't sit down at their drums. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't need for them to know anything about what I was up to. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. I didn't, I didn't, there was no way I was going to validate myself in 30 minutes on a session of my entire life's effort to that person. So I'm just going to sit there and take in what they do and try to, you know what I mean? And try to be as uh, respectful and uh, basically invisible as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. And you uh, seem like the type of guy who any situation that you could possibly get yourself into to learn, then you would go. If there was a, if you could sit in on a session, you would go. If there was a chance to, you know, carry someone's drums to help you know to learn something you would do it if like whatever whatever situation you could put yourself in to learn i feel like you were you were always taking advantage of those situations well i appreciate that there's some truth there in that you know i I, i'm always paying attention when i was a kid I, i i i was not so I was just, uh, I was lucky because I was already doing it to some extent. So I, I wasn't having to do this starving thing. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, even like say when I went down to see Larry play, man, there was a bit of, of me, that 16 year old kid that was 
that was a little jaded already. Like, ah, you know, I'd ra- I want to be watching Jeff Picaro play. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it was like that. But, uh, but I still got in the fucking car and went. And when I went, I was, you know, accepting of the truth when I got there. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the thing. I always want being willing to learn. But, you know, when, when <laughs> Larry called me back and I, and, I said, he said, well, what, what, what do you want to do, man? What, 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 what's on your mind? I said, well, I just, I just want to work more. And he goes, ha ha, me too. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know? so I mean, for everybody, join I'm the club, kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there's this kind of, you know, that never changes for anybody as long as, you know, when, when his heart was obviously never going to be, you know, distracted from the fact that he just wanted to play the next great take with a bunch of great musicians. And, and the second he was at home, not on a date, that compulsion was like, I just, I want to be playing. I want to be playing with great musicians. You know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing. And that that's what, you know, back to that thing we're talking about with people trying to self-assess and wondering why it's not happening for them. It's like, well, maybe it is happening for you, but also if all you want to do is the thing, then there can't be a context to it, and you just got to keep doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could I could sit here all day and go through your your resume and the people that you've played with and, and talk about the records that you've recorded and, and the tours that you've done and all that, but the thing that's really interesting to me, and I'd love to, to hear how you approach going from idolizing Jeff Beccaro to being in Toto and having to play his drum parts and like channeling that. And, and I mean, it's gotta, it's gotta be a head trip, right? Like how, how do you, how do you approach that? And like, how did you get the gig and how do how do you approach that going into it? Oh man. You know, that, that one is really, there's, it, it's a complicated answer and, and it requires me assuming i know what's in some other people's heads and and also the difficulty of it is our nature is to make assumptions uh and try to read people and and you know the the first off there there's definitely uh so you got to back up to the beginning and, and in nashville i met david hungate when i was 19 who was the original bass player for for toto and we've been lifelong friends he's been a mentor incredible influence uh, on me and David maybe told somebody, Hey, he plays like Jeff. Very, very, very just, it's not saying like, like other people, you know what I mean? It, it, mm-hmm. It's like in the context, he would have been saying that to somebody would have been very respectful of both people. You know what I mean? Right. Like not, not limiting me and what I am. And not taking away from Jeff and, 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 and what was so uniquely singular about him. You know what I mean? Uh, and then from that, it spreads to a bunch of people who couldn't pick one or the other out of a lineup. If you played a solo drum track, they would know the fuck they were listening to. <laughs> they, start make, they start saying that, and it becomes this thing, right? And so then, you know, that's fine. I mean, there's no greater compliment to me for someone who has such, to this day, I just... I love to hear that guy play the drums, man, play a song. You know what I mean? That that's, that's just still like, it just hits me like, like nobody else did. You know I mean? All I'm a, I'm as big of John Bond fan, uh, John Bonham fan as that Keltner, Bernard Purdy, uh, you, you know, um, Andy Newmarks to, you just name it. You know what I mean? Anybody that, that, that has that kind of beautiful 
DNA groove. Uh, they're right there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff, uh, there, there was a difference in his record making component to me about the context. You know, Jeff was heard in so many contexts other than just one. And it always was exactly right. So it spoke to me as a, being a session, like consummate session musician. You know what I mean? That man, this guy never uh, there's never a track i heard that he played on that that you go man so and so would have really killed that track you know what i mean uh it, you know it, it just it, he just always played it perfectly play you know what i mean and then there was sometimes i hear guys where i would go man dude i would love to hear jeff play that shuffle instead of that guy or what you know what i mean whatever yeah. it's like and so, so you know there was just something that that really affected me about his you know time and feel all that stuff and again that comes back to personality because having been around the guys and gotten to know his family and stuff you know you 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 do understand that look what's elusive there is this guy's a unique spirit and that's what you're hearing through the drums but again back to being you know why people get hired you know the guy's presence in a room uh you know uh, affected people they want to hang with that guy not just play music with him you know what i mean the reason they want like the, what's coming out musically is because of of what he was and what he is as a person, right? So it's that dynamic. So then when I'm I'm put in a position where you're coming into a situation where I was subbing for Keith Carlisle to begin with, and uh, for for like one tour because it was a conflict of Steely Dan, and there was just there was just a, a whole bunch of things going on around that. So it's a and then you have this component of musicians where man. You know, to be to to for someone to say he plays like so and so, it's like fuck that man. Who the fuck are you? You know what I mean? It's right. like there's it's this jazz musicians, this purist mentality of like fuck that. You know, fuck you for fuck you for trying to sound like somebody else. And it's like, well, you don't know me. That's not what it was. You know, all these other people said that that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. It. I never. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a sort of guilty until proven innocent uh, component. There's also this real appreciation and 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 understanding of of the true nature uh, uh, of my uh, you know love for the guys playing and and so uh, and then there's expectations I'm I'm you know uh, you know trying to read what they're thinking they're you know it's just it took a, it it took a while I mean you know it all. Uh, you know, if you go back, there's a video somewhere of our first gig in Washington playing Africa and uh, in 2014. And it's it's killer. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like but but the the nuance of getting to know each other deeper than just playing the set and identifying yourself. You know, when you when you're on a gig with other you know, other musicians and, and you're outside of it thinking, oh, I know what the band's been missing since X or whatever. If I, I'll bring, you know, uh you know they're they've already they they already had the best of that. They played with Jeff Beccaro. You know what I mean? They're, they're, so there's no amount of if you could bring some version of that to it that's ever going to be what they're looking for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to you have to develop some common understanding and and, and common ground of, of what it's about. And then when you are playing something where you know uh, the when it's a band and, and the compositions are are orchestrated around you know, a guy who's playing was so indelible just in the time and feel of it. It's like, well, how do you change that? What would you change about the way you play Rosanna? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, 
it's written into the song. That is the groove. And you can, you know, that comes down to hearing guys play that beat, you know, because every drummer likes to sit down and play that halftime shuffle because the hand to hand component of it is a, is a fun thing to sit down and play and it feels good, you know, but it's like, you know, so many guys can play it and it sounds like a bad rudiment, you know what I mean? And, 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 and then Jeff plays it and it's got all this information in it, all the, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so, you know, you were saying the other day when we, when we talked earlier, uh, that there's really not a, there's not a lot of practical applications for that groove. No, I mean, this, a song has to be written, to it and especially like pop tunes you know you hear people write it into jazz compositions or whatever but uh you know tempo and different things you you know it it has to be a part of the space within the the bar has to has to you know that particular song you know was so beautifully composed with the rolling piano thing of david page and then jeff is in there you know playing along to that essentially is what it is you know what i mean and 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 making the two and four feel a certain way by where those ghost notes sit. It's just a magical thing with uh, with a band and their kind of unique take on a, on a groove. You know what I mean? Then you got mm-hmm. Bernard Purdy playing it on Babylon Sisters or, or John Bonham on Fool in the Rain or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's, that groove is, you know, any shuffle is, is a great thing because it, there's serious nuance in, in the swing of, of, of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and guys that really have something special about way, the way they're going to play that there's just a physicality or whatever, all these factors that come in and give them their DNA when it comes to that group. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, we had, uh, we were, I played 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I mean, I played six years with the guys before we, we stopped and then all this happened. And, and I really felt like the, you know, the last U S tour, we've really found that, you know, like I found my place and found, you know, my voice and being able to really, and it was had to do with kind of the set list and the way we were playing the tunes. And, you know, it just, it took a while to really, you know, to be able to take something that, that required playing it with, with a, with a reverence to the original intent and find that tiny bit of nuance that, that allows your own voice to come through without disregarding or disrespecting or, to the listener, that's what guys don't, you know, miss a lot of times. When I when I when I'm playing with a band and and playing some some music that someone else was a part of, it's like I thinking about how that music made me feel. What I want to hear out there in the room about the band, not some third generation, you know, drummer trying to make their mark on. You know what I mean? There's a there, there's like I came to see Toto, and I want to feel what that band made me feel like. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So there's there's all these. Um, there's all these variables and the subtleties. And, and again, you know, you're also traveling with guys that, you know, they want to throw elbows, man. They want to be up on stage playing. They want to, they want somebody, you know, making them feel something every night, not just hear what they already heard in some contextual way. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard, man. It's yeah. really hard. It's hard to walk into that situation with, with everything that had already been kind of set up in, into place to then cut through all of that and 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 find your own identity and 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 have it clearly understood with everyone you know it was the same when i when i when i did this thing called the dukes of september with uh uh donald fagan and 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 boss and mike mcdonald because you're playing all these iconic 
tunes, uh, you know, uh, whether it be something that Bernard Purdy played or Rick Morata played and, and you're going, you know, I'm always going, damn, and you know, the way Rick Morata pay, played Peg, that's like anything other than that's just not as good, you know. Right. Like you got, and I love how humble he is about it. He's like, oh, I just got, you know, I got lucky on that track or something like that. Yeah, no, 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 no. You know, that's that that's iconically that's an iconic drum groove, and it's impossible to play like he played you know it's impossible to play anything like anybody else played it but it's impossible to try to articulate it that that way you know what i mean it, right. it, it's it's such a nuanced thing and so perfect you know what i mean and, and so you know i you, you hear i've heard it played different ways and i'm going well that one's a pr- pretty uh and uh, just the way that he composed that part against that dotted eighth figure that's within the piano instead of copping that with the bass drum he plays this real open thing on the bottom. You know, he's basically plays the last note he plays. And I think he plays the downbeat and then he plays on the dotted quarter at the end of the bar is all he's doing on the bass drum, you know? Yeah. Or, and, 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 but if you hear that, that groove, you, 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 you know, you might be inclined to interpret it more toward what the piano's doing. And now it's just like, not nearly as happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's always that, that thing of how much do you, Try, how how do you get your voice heard and not take a crap on the music? You know what I mean? That's basically what it comes down to. And, and the that, answer and, is? Well, I don't know, because there's always <laughs> going to be somebody pissed off about how you're doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's somebody that's going to be out there going, oh, he's just fucking playing, just like trying to play like blah, 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 you know? And then if you change it, it's like, ah, oh, he's fucking up, he's not, you know, it's it's just... You just, at that point, it's about you and the band. It's all it can be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's uh, and playing the song, you know. I'm 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 you know I'm just relentlessly beholden to the song and 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 there's something about it for me when I'm when I'm playing something or figuring out a part. It feels physical. It's 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 like when I arrive at what it is, there is a best interpretation I'm going to be able to give it. It's based on me. Somebody else might be able to give it a different interpretation just as well. But there's a moment where I go, okay, it's like a formula. It's an equation. I've, I've, I'm, I'm listening. I'm answering to what's going on here, and this feels cohesive. And it feels, you know. And so in that regard, it, I, I'm not trying to impose my will on something. I'm trying to have it put, brought out of me, you know. Mm-hmm. And and to that end, it's really hard for me to just kind of play whatever the fuck i want to play because it's very obvious when it's not right 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 and from what you're saying it sounds like one the the music that you're playing uh let's you know specifically for toto is is things that were you're playing music that was created by someone else right you're taking jeff picaro's things and he was interpreting and and he was interacting with the band in a particular way so now you have to figure out okay how can i take all of the stuff that he did that makes this song what it is but then make it my own so that i can interact per, i can interact yeah. properly with the band right i mean you know and if you go back and you look at, at different variations of of time when you know periods of time when jeff played live with the guys and played that they would change it up differently i mean the the way he played it on the record just from a standpoint of the internal swing of the thing was not quite the same as he played it in 1990 you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and that's not that's by design you know what i mean it's like well 
we're hitting it now more like a rock tune. You know what I mean? So there's just, you're going to hit the hi-hat a little bit different. The, 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 the harder you play the song, you can't make that second eighth note of, or the third eighth note of that triplet speak as far back on a 16th or a snappy. It's like now it's, it's leaning a little more. It's, it's a little harder edged. You know what I mean? It's just all contextual. So it's like right. I, even, even Jeff didn't try to rearticulate the record the exact same way when he went out and played it. You know what I mean? It was, sure. it was within the set you know, what was the overall set of tunes leaning like? Was it a heavier handed feeling set? Then when we get to Rosanna, we got to hit it harder because the whole set is the whole attitude of this new show is, is hitting a certain way, which is what I felt about the last tour we did. The la- You know, we had essentially the same set list from 2018 through 2019, but if within Toto's kind of, um, uh, you know, collection, a uh, uh, body of work, it kind of lined up to a certain sort of rock context within the band. So it, everything hit uh, a certain way that maybe kind of fell more into my, you know, my natural voice as well. So even though it's still sounding very much an homage to Toto, I felt like I was finally able to find something that was very more comfortably my voice, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So what is your advice now for for people who are looking to get into recording remotely and and doing sessions because obviously the the session world is much different than it was than it was years ago but there's still there's still a lot of session work out there and my take is that it it just has to be based on relationships it's not like putting facebook ads up and trying to get people to people to hire you to play on their on their uh on their records would you would you agree that it's just a matter of when able uh going out and and meeting people and just building those relationships over time yeah i mean i think i think probably the key thing and 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 getting discovered following you know get getting uh, the incentive you know getting someone interested in working with you it's still about pursuing music for yourself so you know that for for being a session musician there was you know, it's like, well, there's no farm system. There's no minor leagues. There's no, you know, there's demo work, but still it's recording. So how do you get hired when you have to know how to do it to be able to do it? It's this weird closed loop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and the reality of it is, is, is you have to be pursuing, if that's what you want to do with music, then you need to be refining what part of that skill set that you can in the time that you have, you, you know, it's like anything in life that, that you're pursuant of, you have to do everything within your reach. And that doesn't mean, you know, you know, chasing people down and bugging the shit out of them. I mean, that that's, that's antisocial behavior. That's not going to help either. I mean, it's like, well, what do I do? I go out and I meet this person. It's like, nah, just pursue the thing that you love in every avenue that feels authentic to you. And I assure you there will be, a context that there be a moment where somebody will cross the path of that and recognize what you're doing. You can't, like I say, if it was a matter of being relentlessly, you know, uh, you know, chasing people down and knocking on doors or Facebooking people with that, you know, it's like, well, then that's a known process and we can all go after it. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's more organic than that, but it's also more honest than that. It's like, you know, I'm still trying to do things that I haven't done yet, and I don't know how to connect the dots. I just have to 
spend the time refining the components of that process that that I can in my own time, being prepared for opportunity uh, should it reveal itself, and uh, and trusting that in the energy of the pursuit of an idea, uh, things happen. You know, and, and I do think that's right. And then the Facebook thing, you got to know everybody has that. Everybody has that now. Everybody can blast. You know, when you're posting videos of yourself playing to an EDM track that's all double stroke stuff and what, whatever the context it is that you put, you know, what voice are you putting out there? How authentic is it? Do you, you know, uh, a preparedness to be able to play in the context we're talking about is like, I mean, we could go on. I know you got, we were already way longer than probably what you wanted to go. But, no, uh, man, this is, this I don't, is, I don't, I don't stop just to stop. So, well, you know, it's like uh, one thing, well, what we're dealing with, I'm afraid there's a lost component of interacting with each other. And I'm not talking about social distancing right now. I'm just talking about the evolution of the, of the music scene. How do you develop this, the, 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 the real difference making part of playing is, is how you make people feel when they're playing with you. You know what I mean? Like that, especially as a drummer. Do you empower somebody's time? Do they feel like they're grooving more now when they're playing with you because of your ability to to do that? Uh, you know, how do you do that when you don't get to play with people? You know what I mean? It's like, how do you develop that? That's why, you know, a big part of, you know, why sessions and the way people do things, I, I really don't want to be on records where they quantize me. Uh, there's no, there's nothing accidental about how I play time. And, and I fix things within the context of certain kinds of records to be as accurate as they need to be to be stylistically appropriate. You know what I mean? Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't want to be flatlined. I, 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 it pisses me off, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I mean, I, uh, playing to a click track is restrictive enough and where I can put my backbeat because where I really want to put it, it's going to flam on two and four every time. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, there's just all this nuance to it. And, Play, playing at home and guys trying to figure out how to take that to the next step. I mean, I guess one thing I would say is, is in the advent of technology and the change of things and, and the, the way everyone can record, well, there's now as many times as there's, uh, you know, people vying for, you know, being hired as a drummer to record, let's just say. Well, there's also that many exponential people at home, recording at home. So you want to record for Adele, then, you know, there's a whole lot of, you know, probably not going to happen. But if you want to record for somebody making cool, cool music, there's a million people now making it at home. So you got to recalibrate what it is you're trying to do, refine that, that, that skill set, what makes you unique. And if you're fucking quantizing yourself, and 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 stacking sounds up to you know out of sound libraries that everybody else has the same access to you know what's making you unique against one other you know anyone else that's going to make them go ah i got i want this guy as opposed to that guy and it's not about competition it's just about your voice you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's like what's going to make you sound unique enough that somebody's going i want that voice on my track when you're, you know, using a fucking grid and you're, you know, you're using the same sounds. It's just like, I don't know. I just, it's like, the, it's like, uh, having a measured expectation of, of what, what you're trying to do and also understanding as things change, 
if you're recording for someone on some cool piece of music in Idaho that, you know, maybe people will hear a handful of it on their Facebook page, but it's a cool piece of music and you got to do it. Guess what? You're a session player. You just did that. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it's, 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 that's kind of, you know, part of what's great about the expansion of all of it. But, you know, there's also going to be a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't have a lot of depth to it because not everybody is capable of depth, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, I could I could go on this uh, this conversation for <laughs> sorry, man. No, don't please do not apologize. I love this. I mean, this the is bummer, the the bummer cast. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, this this is like this. It should have been called. I instead of calling it Drummer's Resource, I should have just called it the Real Drummers Podcast because that's. I mean, that's everything that that I that I talk about or you know my guests talk about all the time is just hey, like let's not sugarcoat. This is the reality of the business. So, yeah. Like, it's better off. I'd much rather do this than be out there saying you can make it. You can do it. You need well, to do these things. And, you know. And the message I guess in there is it's like it's kind of like you're already doing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So give yourself a big pat on the back. You know what right. I mean? It's like these external things. Just remember, you know, uh, if you're sitting down playing, if 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 you love music, and and I mean, if there was a long time where putting on some headphones and playing along to my favorite records was enough. You know what I mean? It, right. it, it, it was it was a feeling, and and sometimes now I'm doing it on a much higher level and and not experiencing the same amount of joy. You know what I mean? So it's just just you know remember where you are and and uh, and like you say, you know you 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 might already be doing more of what you're wanting to be doing than you realize. You know, mm-hmm. for sure. So speaking of of Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff, where's the best place for people to follow along with what you're doing? Oh man, yeah. Um, I am. Uh, I'm on Facebook, so you can just find me pretty easily enough. I have a personal page and a musician's page, Shannon Forrest, just S H A N N O N F O R R E S T. And then on Instagram, I'm the Shannon Forrest because uh, somebody else had already taken Shannon Forrest. So there you go. <laughs> I am the Nick Ruffini, and I was literally just talking to my wife about it last night, and I was like, I hate that I have to use the Nick Ruffini. I was like, it sounds pretty nah, I, I know it does sound, you know, and I'm I'm the last guy in the world that that's way, but I'm also that way a little bit. So people can take a middle finger, get off, <laughs> get off my name. I did yeah. something with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, the interesting thing is I have, I own Nick Ruffini on Instagram, but I want him yeah. to be, I want him to be the same on all the platforms. Yeah. Right on, man. So I yeah. got to go with the, so. I'm going to start doing a little more to elevate that stuff. But like I say, there was a, there was initial kind of, impetus to being visible i'm going man there is way more than enough of that already on there you know what i mean i've got to figure out a way to do that in a way that i feel good about and and it's i'm still figuring that out i I, i'm going to be posting more things and i've actually added some video stuff that i'm trying to figure out trying to do maybe a a little bit of stuff that's you know just the nature of my personality and Mm -hmm. And maybe a bit of informative things. I might I might throw a few little demonstration things up from time to time. But mostly, I'm just going to let you look in my studio at what I'm doing on any given day. It might be like boring it. as hell, but uh, that's what I'm going to do. Do you want my unsolicited advice? Yeah, let's have it. I think you should just put up videos of you grooving all the time. Because Man, ev- I- no one puts that shit up. Like, I want to start a page on Instagram where it's just people playing real grooves, not like check out my pocket and they're like filling all over the place, but like right. real shit. So like, 
I think you should just put videos up of that every day. Well, I appreciate it, man. That's, you know, I mean, if, if I, if I do, if I have anything that feels like it has a shred of quality to it, I guess I can do that. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's uh, so yeah, I, I've been encouraged that way. And, and I've seen, we, you and I talked about it the other day, the, the, uh, uh, just as a matter of experimentation, I've, I've seen, uh, I've seen the fact that, uh, the numbers don't lie mm-hmm. when, when you do something that's naturally kind of who you are, it gets more love. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just what it is. It, it's, it's pretty, pretty obvious. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do, man. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm trying to get it together where I'm able to give the, you guys like better audio which i have worked out so mm-hmm. instead of just using my my mic off my phone i'll be able to throw you guys some uh, the real output of my console with you know the way i record things so it'll be a little more fun and, and awesome. nuanced that way and a little better camera you know mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and you can talk about what what mics you're using or what con- yeah, you know, what settings exactly. and what console or yeah. exactly exactly amazing so, well i'm looking forward to that i'm gonna i'm gonna randomly send you messages if you haven't done yeah, it and man. ask you why you have it. Believe me, I, I need a, a fire lit. So anybody that wants to chime in and if anybody does go check out my social media and wants to see anything specific, send me a question. I'll do it. Awesome. Shannon, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure and stay safe out there and, and keep on trucking. You too, my brother. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Great. There you have it, the great Shannon Forrest. And you can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 565. And be sure to check Shannon out. He's the Shannon Forrest on Instagram. And he's also on Facebook. Just search his name. And that's all I got this week. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.